Welcome to the Innovation Race Podcast, where we meet fascinating inventors, innovators, politicians, and leaders who share the view that what's best for our country is to protect patents and keep innovation in America. Now, here's your host, Jenny Beth Martin. Thank you for joining the Innovation Race Podcast. In this series, we take a deeper dive into the dominant themes and issues in our documentary film, Innovation Race. You can find out more information about the documentary at innovationracemovie.com. Again, that's innovationracemovie.com. As we were making the film, we realized we had so much more information than we could cover in a 70-minute documentary. So we decided to produce this podcast as a way to give you more information about the importance of innovation and how the American patent system, as our founders originally conceived it, has been so vital to the growth and prosperity of America and how it has ultimately benefited the entire world. I've had some fascinating conversations with some very interesting people, so I hope you'll subscribe and follow this podcast so you know as soon as we release a new episode. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Molly Metz. She's known as the queen of the rope. She's a five-time world champion in the sport of speed jump roping, which I didn't even know was a thing until I met Molly. Molly never set out to be an inventor. But as is often the case, she encountered a problem which led to her innovative design of a new jump rope. She obtained two patents for her design, and she believed she owned the exclusive rights to her original idea until someone stole it and used the United States patent system against her. What you're about to hear is the story of success, overcoming challenges, and the ongoing fight for our rights. And now, here's Molly Metz. Thank you again for having me on the show. Um, I started jump rope when I was seven years old. Uh, a jump rope team came to my school in Booseville, Colorado. They did a performance and I was like, I wanna do that. So I joined the jump rope team um, and I think my mom loved that because it was free. Um, I come from a family of five and it was like, oh my gosh, another sport. Um, but being on that jump rope team, um, what I learned is that my coach was um, sort of driving the sport of jump rope. The idea that uh, jump rope was more than a playground activity that it was indeed a sport. Um, so being on that jump rope team uh, was cool because he took us all over the world. Uh, we would go to different countries and to different schools, do performances, but primarily our objective was to teach the sport of jump rope. So at a very young age, I was coaching kids, adults, um, and I grew up really fast. Um, so I did that. Um, all throughout my childhood. And when I got older, I realized that jump rope is just inside of me and it's just my passion. Um, I've won five world jump rope championships, my last one in 2002. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but I kind of just took all my my passion and my knowledge and the sport of jump rope and I decided that I wanted to have a jump rope business. Um, you had a question and I think it was what kind of inspired me to um, was it have an invention? Yes. Yeah. In so I I hold um, or I did hold two patents on a jump rope handle technology. Um, what happened is I was in a car accident in 2004. Um, it really sort of just changed my life. Um, I went through my windshield. I was knocked unconscious. So I, in 2004 would have been two years after your your mm, your championship. So you, your last time you won your championship was 2002, and then you had a correct. car. Two, car late, how, two and, years later. And how, about how old were you? Um, 
my gosh, 26. So you're in your twi- in 20s, my 20s, late 20s. Okay, yes, okay, correct. so go, go ahead. Yeah, so this car accident um, sort of knocked me straight. Um, I broke my ankle in a few spots. I messed up my hip. Um, and I was just kind of, you know, faced with what am I doing? Um, and it was at that time that I knew I wanted to start doing my own business. Um, so a few years after that, I started to compete again and my body and my form was just not cooperating. Um, so I looked into jump ropes and the jump ropes that I had been using and I thought, you know what, I need to create a a jump rope that's going to work for me. So I kind of went to the drawing board. Um, I had a friend at the time to help me, you know, create this jump rope idea that I was searching for. It took a little over a year, um, but I finally created something that was that would, would work for me and work for my injuries and work for my setup. Um, now, w- what does that mean, it works for you? Like, yeah. I, 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 when I think of jump ropes, I think of what my kids had, which is like a little, right. you know, rope tied to handles. Yes, and that's such a good question. So what works for me is I am a speed jumper. I like to jump rope really fast. Um, The fastest you can go, you're going to win. So um, meaning what works for me is with my injury, I felt crooked. And I felt like the jump ropes weren't accommodating to my crookedness, right? And and I wasn't able to revolve the rope fast. And, and, And there was just problems. There was, you know, like you said, the handle for little kids, it was just kind of coming out of the handle. That's too much range of motion for somebody like me. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted something special, like, you know, a specialty rope. Right. Um, I had no intention of creating a jump rope for anyone but myself. Okay. Um, and I did that. And I was proud of that. Um, it was at that time that other jump ropers on the team and, you know, my friends from all over the world, they're like, what is Molly using? What is this cool jump rope? Um, so my friend and I thought, you know what, let's, let's take this to an attorney and see if this is a, a, a an innovation, right? Something, right. you know, it sounds like my friends want it. So we went to get an attorney and we filed for a patent in 2008. Um, I received my first patent in 2010 and in 2012, the second one. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, what, and you did that so you could, could sell the jump rope, I guess, or do something yeah. more with it so you could maybe commercialize it and maybe make, be able to Im- reap some benefit to the investment of time you had put into this. Yes, but I have to tell you, when I put myself back into the time when I filed for the patent and when I got the patent, I wasn't thinking about that. I mm-hmm. was thinking about how cool it was I got a patent. Okay. Me, but, as a jump roper, you know, yeah. Okay, as an athlete, not like someone who you would think of as a, a quirky inventor that sometimes people wind up thinking inventors are. Right. I'm just a jump roper who loves my sport and I created something really innovative. Okay. Um, let's, let's delve into that and then we're going to come back to patents for just a minute. So innovative. And when we talk about innovation, what we really mean is taking something that exists and making it better Mm -hmm. or taking something that exists, but it doesn't work the way we want it and making it solving a problem with it right um and there are a lot of different kinds of jump roping right like you said speed roping i talked about like when my kids were little but i can think of um video on tv with like kids in the street doing all sorts of tricks and stuff with Mm -hmm. jump roping which is what i do as well yeah so jump rope has all those different um entities right so we have like you just said the kids in the in the street with the double dutch ropes or if you have um what we call a freestyle rope which is you want to do crossing skills and uh, gymnastics and all sorts of things in jump ropes um 
uh, and jump rope. I, I said jump ropes. Um, but the, the, the tools, the ropes that we need for those entities are much different than the ropes that we need in speed training. Okay. Yeah. So um, I guess I, I don't know what question I'm answering other yeah. than there's different ropes needed for all these different right. um, uh, offerings in jump rope. And there are different little iterations of the rope or innovations to, to the, the rope that have happened and you've contributed to that. Right. And my, you know, my, my specialty is in speed jumping. So I thought, okay, I'm going to make this rope really special and really fast and really perfect for, for speed jumping. I wanted to go faster. Uh, and war- and war- and win. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then you went to an attorney, and you just talked about how cool it was that you got a patent. Mm-hmm. What did you think a patent means? Um, first, I thought it meant that I was really smart, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm just like the coolest person. I invented something." Right. And I thought that was great. Um, and then I realized I opened up a, my online shop, and I'm like. I can have protection on my invention. Um, I don't think anyone knows how, you know, popular your invention is going to be. I had no idea. I thought I'm going to sell my jump ropes to jump ropers, our small right. little market. Um, like to speed jump ropers. Totally. Right. Yeah. But what happened uh, about a year or two into me selling my ropes, there was hundreds of companies popping up all over the world selling my my technology. And I felt kind of cool about right. that. Like It was like, Wow. People like my technology. And were they um, paying you royalties to sell your technology? No, not at the time. This was a lesson for me to learn. It was, again, here I have this product, and I'm like, what do I do about this? Right. You know, how am I supposed to stop this? Um, so it was around 2012. I started reaching out to companies and saying, look, this is you know my patent. This is my technology. Um, some of the companies stopped. Um, and one of the companies in particular, Rogue Fitness, they're the number one, um, uh, you know, manufacturer in CrossFit and in Strongman. Um, so I emailed um, the owner of, of Rogue Fitness and I said, hey, you know, um, I've heard that you want to carry my product. So they were actually not infringing at the, at the time. And he said, yes, I actually I love your product. I've been wanting to source it. I want to work with you. I want to license it from you. Let's and you do have this. you emails. So I have this. all these emails. Okay. Yeah. It, um, and I thought, great, I'm going to work with Rogue. Um, so we went back and forth. And after a f- couple of emails, um, he said something like, you know, I already have these jump ropes coming over from China. I like, kind of like, let's get this thing going. And I thought, okay, I don't really want my product made in China and you know that's not really what I wanted um, so things went silent for a couple of months in terms of our negotiations um, and then I got a social media alert from Rogue that says hey our new jump rope is out and I took a look and I was like this is my jump rope he launched it and I wrote him and I said Bill what's up you know I, I see that you have launched a new jump rope and he's like talk to my attorneys okay now Hold on. I, we need to go into that because you <laughs> talk to your attorneys. That, that's pretty serious. But how did you know it was your jump rope? How did I know? We, it, we've got your jump rope right here. Mm-hmm. Let's explain to us what is so special about your, your jump rope. You've yeah. got one. Show people. I, yeah. And so what's special about my jump rope is that so a typical jump rope, the, the cord is going to come out of the handle. Okay. Um, so what I've done is a dual bearing system, um, and I wanted the handle, I'm sorry, the cord to face downward. So if you think about it, you want the jump rope to be around your body. Right. Right. And so if it juts out this way, 
right? We're going to have a lot more rope to kind of wave around the air. So it's not going to be efficient for speed jumping. Okay. Yeah. So we have the bearing system. And then, so I've changed that direction of the cord. And then on top of it, I have an articulating eyepiece, which is really crucial, right? We, we don't want any um, wear and tear on the wire. We don't want it to break. We don't want it to kind of, you know, right. cut. Um, and on top of that, I also don't want the, the wire to have that full 180 degrees. So okay. we kind of reduce that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Rogue's uh, technology comes out. The only difference is the handle is metal, but he has the same piece, the same, you know, direction of the wire and the same articulating eyepiece. That was new enough and different enough from the other jump ropes on the market that as soon as you saw it, you were like, that's mine. Correct. That That's not a free process, right? No. You had to spend money on that. We were going to this attorney, and he says, okay, I need a retainer of $10,000. And I thought, I don't have this money. That's a lot of money to a 20-something-year-old. So I remember getting a loan from my mom um, and going through that process. Again, mom. She believed in that. Yeah. She's like, okay, you know, you're going for a patent. Let's let's do this. Um, yeah. So I, I think I spent, you know, $25,000, okay. in, in total for my two patents. Okay, and that's for two. And then um, when he, you hear that, talk to my attorney, mm-hmm. you realize you're probably going to have to go back to an attorney. And probably one of the things you're thinking is, I don't have another ten grand for a retainer. Correct. But uh, was it just ten grand? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lot more than that. My hands were quite tied at the time as well. I was opening the first jump rope gym in, in the country. Oh, congratulations. Right, thank you. Um, I, had, um, I had found a building at the time that I was about to lease and I had to renovate. I thought it was going to cost around $40,000. I'm embarrassed to say this on the podcast, but it cost about $280,000. So I was strapped with a bunch of renovation um, costs, loans, and all sorts of things. But my passion was to work with kids and to get my jump rope team in there and, and to just keep you know right. pushing on that realm. So I really was tied in that sense uh, okay. for the fight. Yeah. Okay. So then um, when you, did you eventually go to court? What, what yes. happened? So uh, years and years. Um, so since 2012, I, every year Rogue launched a new rope. Um, they probably have just a bit over a dozen of their jump ropes in their portfolio, uh, all with my technology. Um, something you have to know about CrossFit, there's always a winner, a guy, a woman and a, ma- a man, the CrossFit Games athlete um, of the world, right? Um, so I remember the first year they had the Rich Froning rope, and that was the CrossFit athlete who had won that year. Oh, wow. Um, my technology, Rich Froning's name, and I'm thinking, wow, here is Rogue selling my technology, taking away from my sales. You know, everyone's like, oh, this is the greatest rope, and it's so fast, and it's so this and that. And I'm like, that's mine. Right. And it was hard. Every year after that, there was a new athlete, same rope, same technology. Pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah, so it wasn't until about 2015 that I made the decision that I was going to start fighting. Very good. it makes me cry because um, it just was hard because I I knew that I had to stop coaching. Yeah. And um, And your passion really wasn't to be in a legal fight. Your passion was to help these kids. Yeah, but I had no choice. Right. I mean, I guess we all have a choice, but my choice is not to just sit there and watch somebody steal. Right. So um, I met my husband in 2015 and I said, look, I'm going to close down my gym. Wow. And I did. I had a CrossFit gym at the time. I closed that down. I closed down my kids programs. I gave my team away to another coach and I said, OK, I'm going to I'm going to find some help and we're going to fight this. 
And you're a competitor by nature. I'm a you're competitor a world, by nature. World champion. <laughs> yes. Jump prover. So you were ready to take this challenge on. I was ready. And, and what happened? Um, some good things happened in the beginning. Uh, my attorney and I um, started fighting with some smaller um, infringers, some Amazon shops, some smaller fitness uh, companies. Um, and we, we got our bearings, you know, in the sense of, you know, we went after them, we fought, we set up some licensing agreements and we're like, okay, we have, we have, we have some, some good steam ahead or good fight with us. I, sorry, my words are baffling right now. It's okay. Um, and so that was a a two years that we did that to kind of establish those grounds. Um, Because you had to defend it. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, and so we decided in 2018 to go after Rogue. Okay, yeah. and you still have all the emails, I the have documentation. All the emails. Um, it was my assumption that when we um, served Rogue with infringement, that I was going to have a time in court and a jury and evidence and all my emails. Right. And, and I thought, okay, this is a no-brainer. They willfully infringed. Because we're kind of, we grow up thinking we're going to have a trial by a jury of our peers. Of course. Right. What yeah. happened? So what happened was when we served them, I was told first that our um, court was not going to happen. Our, our, our hearing was not going to happen in Colorado, where I'm from. Um, I guess so the rule that's was... That's not your peers. I mean, Colorado is where your peers are. Yes. Home. Um, yeah. I was told there was a, a new bill that was passed or a rule in 2016 or 17 that says wherever the infringer's HQ is, is where the infringement case would take place. So it's in their, so their it peers. In, yeah, which is in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So on top of that, not on, not only did I have to fight in Ohio, I have to, I had to obtain more counsel in Ohio, which meant a lot more money. Right. So um, I got counsel in Ohio. Um, we went to court to file the infringement. Um, and then I was told by my attorney that, hey, we our case is going to be stayed in Ohio. I didn't know what all that meant. But that means that we're going to put the case on hold for infringement, and Rogue is going to um, do what's called IPR. Um, they're going to take you for an inter, inter-parties review um, to check on the validity of your patent. And okay. I thought, okay, what what's happening? I'm serving them with infringement they've stolen my patent but now this is a case about and you have a patent right yeah i have a ribbon certificate that says this is my property so you first start hearing this word questioning whether it's valid and you're probably thinking but i have this official document from the united states of america's government saying that it is valid Mm -hmm. who who validates the patent in the first place um, <laughs> I guess the USPTO. <laughs> and who winds up ultimately invalidating the patent? The USPTO. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of confusing, isn't it? Yeah. Did they not do their job? I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense, I, I right? I have a list of questions I have for these guys. I bet um, you do. And I've, um, I think that's my journey right now is to kind of figure that out. Um, not only for myself, but for the future inventors who are out there like me. Who, right. Who are you know, going out for a patent to protect their invention, you know. Okay, so I kind of know the end of this, well, the current state of the story. Let's hope it's not the end of the story right now. But so you go, you find out that they're questioning the validity of the patent and and what happened. So this is, we're in 2018, Right, so in 2018, my case gets stayed. Okay. um, And my attorneys say, we're going to go for IPR. 
Um, but don't worry, uh, you're, you have good patents. So we're going to do this process. The PTAB, it's called the PTAB, the Patent Trial and Appeal Board. I kind of call it the death panel of patents. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be accurate at this point. Um, um, Molly, it's okay. You have a valid patent. They're just going to go through their checklist of things, and um, you know it's, this will all be fine. But um, in order to do this process, we have to hire an expert. And I thought, okay, we'll get an expert, and you know, one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars to get this person who is going to kind of go through my, you know, patent and kind of you know break it apart to show that it's valid. Um, and then Rogue has their expert as well. So kind of how I saw it was that this fight was going to be these two experts kind of showing the validity of my patent, the other one showing the invalidity of my patent. Um, so again, I went through, I went into this feeling confident because I thought, okay, I have this. Right. <laughs> and I have a valid patent and I've, I've done my due diligence to, to get to this point. Um, and you had been able to successfully defend the patent against smaller correct. companies. Yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't at the time think twice about what was happening other than I wondered why I wasn't getting time in court and to show the emails and to show, you know, the evidence and to show, look, this is an infringement and, you know, and to show all the sales that Rogue has been making and, right. and all these athletes names all over these ropes. Um, and that was hard. So as we got closer to um, our hearing, um, I kept asking, you know, can we bring props? Can we show this? And I'm like, no, we can't do that. We can't show this. We only have 20 minutes. 20 minutes? 20 minutes. What's up with that? I don't know. And I, I'm just like thinking like this is feeling really weird as we get closer and How closer How long to did it hearing. take you to develop this? It was more than 20 minutes, I assume. It took over a year to develop and, and it took almost four for me to get my patents. It's a long time to be in the examination process. So four years and lots of review by the USPTO, the US Patent mm -hmm. Tra Trademark Office, and then 20 minutes. Yeah, so when the oral argument, um, when we had our, our time, um, it was during COVID. Um, so we weren't able to go to our case, in, you know, live. Right. It was done on a Zoom call. I hate this. <laughs> They're not the best. Yeah, you don't get um, the feeling or the, you know, the the energy of, of, of the person and the, right. you know, the, the people. Um, so it's done on a Zoom call. Um, I recall the three judges being there, and one in particular, there's this dog barking in the back. They're at home. And I'm thinking, wow, this is my life's work is on the line here, and I have a yapping, a dog. yapping dog in the background. It doesn't seem like they were even taking it very seriously at that no, point. No, not, I mean, not at all. Even if they were, the perception is that they were not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really hard to, to, to watch that. Um, in our oral argument, there was a topic brought up, and that was towards um, Rogue's counsel. Um, the judges said, they said, hey, um, somewhere, you know, you're, you're saying that um, Molly's patent has an issue of winding and that she solved that. Where, where in all your papers can you show us that? And the, the attorney's fumbling through all these papers, and he's like, well, well, well. And then he stops and he goes, well, you know, when your hands do this and you're jump roping, you know, the, the cord will wind upon itself and da-da-da. And, and we're just kind of sitting there laughing because the reason of my jump rope wasn't to solve a problem of jump rope winding. And no. so I'm just kind of like, this guy is crazy, right? They're, they're coming with all this crazy reason for me to make my jump rope. These judges have got to see this, right? They're, they don't even have you know, they can't find it in their paperwork that there's a reason of winding in, in this jump rope and I fixed this problem. Even with the cheap 
little dollar store jump ropes, I don't recall they have a lot of winding No, I've issues. won five world championships prior to my jump rope, and they've never wound upon themselves. Okay. And so here I am. I must be the smartest person in the whole world to solve the problem of winding, right. which I didn't. That's kind of the point. Right. Um, so watching that, I thought, okay, this is a, it, we've won, you know. <laughs> Three months later, um, we received the email from uh, the PTAB with their decision. Uh, all claims totally invalid and both my patents invalid. And in that email, um, what, what did they cite as the reason for it? Um, it's a good question. So they have their reasons, reasonings, you know, mm-hmm. um, on each um, claim. Right. Uh, and when you read through that, their reason is verbatim, copy and pasted from the expert of Rogue. So I'm thinking, wow, their reason isn't even something that they looked into or something of their own. This is the exact words from that rogues expert. Which means they're not even looking at what their own office did to to research the patent that you you had. The way they had written it there, there was there was no sign that they had done any research. Okay. So now your patent is invalid. And that happened in sometime 20... Uh, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I talked to my attorneys and they said, we can't believe this. Um, they're, they've erred. Um, and so we put together an appeal um, to the federal circuit. And they explained to me, my attorneys explained to me that these judges were different and that they were actually going to read it and they were going to take a look and they're going to make it correct. And they're going to see the problem that the, the PTAB judges made. So I felt good about that. And I'm like, okay, okay. I guess this is meant to be. This is what this is a road we're going to take. Um, so we put in for our appeal. Um, Dirk and I, my husband, we flew out to D.C. Um, we weren't able to go into the courtroom again because of COVID, um, but we we waited outside. So your life work, my life is being work. challenged, <laughs> and you were you were not even able to be present and face the people who were doing this. No, that but, also seems contrary to the way we're supposed to do things in America. Mm-hmm. I understand there's COVID, but we still have rights yeah okay keep going i agree um so we were waiting outside um and our attorneys came out and said okay now we wait you know three six months and they thought okay let's wait let's let them have their time and take a look at this um three days went by i got an email from my attorney and we got a ruling and um i thought wow they're that fast you know um but the the email had one word and it said affirmed um, rule 36 and I thought okay what does this mean um, and our attorney said they just affirm with the feet with the p-tab your patents are invalid and again how do, how did they decide this in three days did they not read anything are they stressed for time is jump ropes just kind of a not interesting to them I, I didn't understand well it doesn't matter whether it's interesting to them or not I'm pretty sure that in an article um, one, Section 8 of the Constitution, it doesn't say that we have the right to intellectual property if it's interesting or if it is world, a world-changing product because it, it doesn't matter. It's your idea. You made something better, and you, you're making the lives of the people who do speed jump roping and other kind of jump roping better, yep. and, and that's good for them, and it can create jobs as well. Yeah. So it... it 
it could it doesn't necessarily have to be the thing that's going to solve world peace it's mm-hmm. your idea and you're supposed you have a right to it yeah I, I i totally understand my emotions come from speaking when i speak i i sit in the time that that happened yeah um i felt um confused i felt sad like i feel right now and i wondered what did i do wrong um and i went into a hole for a couple of weeks and I can imagine. I lost my patents. I lost all my licensing agreements. You know, those are the things that kind of keep my business afloat. Right. Um, and I thought, what am I going to do? I have this huge legal bill. And right. I have nothing now. And I don't know why. Um, anyways, a few weeks went by. Um, Dirk and I found a movie online called um, uh, Invalidate. Invalidated. Invalidated. Yes. <laughs> and... I thought, oh my gosh, this sounds like me. And I went online to find help, to find, um, there was a particular person on that uh, movie, Josh Malone. Inventor inventor. of a bunch of balloons, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, man, I want to talk to this guy. I want to know what if what happened to me happened to him. Is it happening to others? Right. Um, And this couldn't be the end of the road. Because you must have felt very alone before watching that movie. I felt totally alone. and I didn't want to feel alone. I, right. I, you know, you have an intuition and you feel like, you know, something is not right here. Right. Um, and I don't do well with just being told you're done. Right. Especially when I don't feel done. Right. So um, I'm very grateful for finding that movie, which kind of inspired me to get online and to, to find everybody. So I did okay. find Josh. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And I Josh found U.S. Is... Inventor and I found a group of people just like me. Right. Um, the independent inventor, not the big corporations, nope, the, the independent little guys. inventor. Yeah. And this sounds really bad, but every Wednesday there's a new inventor. You know, we do Zoom calls telling a story just like mine. And I f- don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. And I don't feel crazy about what happened to me. And I'm learning that what happened to me is wrong. And what's right. happening to other inventors is wrong. Right. And we need to change it. Right. Um, I want my case reviewed. What happened in my case is wrong. Right. I have an invention. And I want to be told otherwise, if I didn't have an invention, then why did you give me this patent? Right. And if you knew at the time I was going with, to, you know, f- to um, tell it, my infringer that they're infringing, that you knew at the time, then just stop right there. Yeah, it would have saved you a lot of money, them a lot of money. Lot of time and well, money. I mean, I think they, yeah. they benefited from your invention, so I, they, I don't know that it would have saved them money. They actually benefited from it. Yeah. Maybe oh, though, in, in hindsight, yeah. you would have been like, yeah, this is mine and not shown anyone else and won your competitions and... Yeah, I think so. And I think just going back in time, the excitement of getting this, um, just for me, you know, and, and the feeling around that, um, I feel almost embarrassed. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, I just wish they would have never given it to me. I, I would have been fine just selling my product, like you said. And if people stole it, they stole it. It was rightfully so. I, I at, at that time, I wouldn't have had this patent. And right. It would have just, just been what it was. And Right. But you did what you thought was the right thing to do yeah, to protect. which took a lot of time and a lot of money. Right. You know, I don't know if this is, a, this is kind of a little kick in the pants, but um, I think it was about six months ago, I got a, a bill from the USPTO for my maintenance fees. It was like $2,200. I paid it. First, I'm very glad to know that Invalidated helped you. Mm -hmm. Um, That movie, we did that film after talking to Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, and he talked about how uh, patent rights are 
um, protected in our Constitution, that they're get the, these are rights that are given to us by our Creator, and mm-hmm. our Constitution protects them. They are God-given rights to own our own ideas and to benefit from from those ideas, just the way that if you owned a property like a, a real estate, the same the same kind of ownership applies. And he got so excited about it because he's an inventor, and I said we have to find a way to tell this story because it's complex, but there's got to be a way to make it. Um, meaningful to people mm-hmm. and and then we met Josh along the way and he wound up being kind of the story arc for it and he's an amazing fighter who mm-hmm. just didn't give up he and really you, is. you remind me of, of, of him as I was getting to know him so people who are watching and listening to this they can go to Amazon Prime and and see the that film but then the next film that we're doing right now innovation race we're really talking about in that film uh, we step away a little bit from the in- independent inventor and talk about how if we're not protecting the independent inventor in America that we're going to wind up with this challenge between America and and China when it comes to innovation and if american inventors like you just say yeah i'm not going to put my idea out there anymore i'm not going to let the whole world see it i'll keep it for myself or i'll lock it away or we'll just do a little bit and i won't market it very large then someone won't be able to come on top of it and innovate on top of it Mm -hmm. and if um, china right now seems to be trying to protect patents it's questionable whether in the long run they will respect property rights. But right now, that is the impression that, that they are giving with what they're doing. Then they're going to wind up, in, innovators are going to want to go to China. Or or China, maybe they don't want to go to China from America. But they're, they're, they will have a more innovative environment than what we have. Mm-hmm. And it's very concerning. And when you hear of things that are happening to people like you, it, it it's going to discourage others from wanting to step up. this so far what are what kind of solutions do you think we need to see what are things that you think need to happen to fix what's broken um well first of all i don't think the uspto should give out patents you know when 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 they're telling us you know we're granting you the right to exclude others from making using or offering you know your invention for sale in the united states um when when any time they can take it away um, so I want to start there and, and just kind of, yeah, uh, in terms of change, I, if they don't, if, if they feel like they are giving out bad patents, then maybe they should start there and, right. and fix that part of the system. Um, but I, you know, throughout this last few months, I'm trying to educate myself on really what's going on. Um, I've asked the question of why is the, the PTAB in place? Um, and they say the PTAB is in place because the, the courts are inundated with, with cases, the district courts. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to push these all to, to the PTAB. And I thought, okay, well, it's kind of a crappy reason. Right. You know, you're pushing my life's work out of, of, of a court because you're And you're not inundated. getting a jury of your peers. And I'm not, not getting, getting a jury of my peers. It doesn't even sound like you're quite getting due process. You're certainly getting, I don't know, you're barking in a zoom call I'm barking in a zoom call and you know uh, judges who uh, the statistics are 84 percent of patents are being invalidated at the PTAB. that's a, a pretty well, hefty number that, if 
if they really aren't valid, then the people who are issuing the patents of the PTAB are not doing their job. And yeah. I don't think that's true. They spent four years before you got your patent, right? Yes, four so years they did in an examination. They, they spent years yeah. examining it, not 20 minutes. No. So <laughs> it's kind of an insult to all it's the other employees insult. who are working there and actually treating you you and other inventors with the respect you deserve to validate the patent in the first place or reject the ones that may need to be rejected. Yes, without a doubt. Okay, so keep going. So you learned about about 84%. It just burns me up. I get really frustrated <laughs> on your behalf. No, I do too, and we, we probably went down on a, a road. Um, yeah, so I, w I was told that uh, the PTAB was put in place because the district courts were burdened, right, with right. cases. Um, but yet I was on a, a call. Um, there's a new director in place, Kathy Vidal. I, I might be saying that incorrectly. Okay. For the USPTO, she's the new director. And so I jumped on. Um, they had like a little Zoom thing, and it was talking about the changes that she wants to make, and she wants to listen to inventors. Um, but one of the panelists or I, one of the people, maybe it was a judge, they said something along the lines of, yeah, the PTAB was put into place because there's a lot of bad patents that were created. So here I have one angle, one person is telling me the PTAB is for inundated district courts and the other side is saying we have bad patents. So which is it? And what am I going to learn in two months? You know, point being is, is why is the PTAB really here? Right. Do we have bad patents? Do we have good patents? And the courts are and just who is really behind What's it? What's really the problem yeah, here? And yeah. who is behind getting it passed through Congress? Because there was someone, you know, there were companies behind it. Yeah, pushing and, for and it. then I bring this back to just me. I am just a, a citizen who is. I have a small business. It's a jump rope business, and I'm doing the best I can. I have this patent, and you guys are ripping this away from from me. Right. For what reason? And if you can give me a reason, I might feel a little bit better. Right. But I'm getting a lot of little different reasons here. Tangling. Tangling. It's it's not okay. Right. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, would I, I um, think one of the things that I, I think is important, people who are watching this, they should go and watch our movie, Innovation Race. Mm -hmm. They should go back and watch Invalidated mm -hmm. as well. It's not out 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 of date josh's case has had a good mm -hmm. a good ending for him mm -hmm. and he's committed to trying to fix this problem he's mm -hmm. dedicated his entire life and his family moved to dc working to try to fix this problem yeah what i love about josh is that he doesn't come from the background of being an attorney or being in patent law he's just an inventor too right um and it's really cool to see how much he's learned i mean i think he knows more than any attorney out there yeah. right and he just knows everything about the law what what has been hard for me is it's really hard for me to learn all of this stuff I mean I'm really focused on my day-to-days and coaching kids and athletes right um that I didn't know getting a patent meant that I had to learn about bills and I've been to congress now and I'm lobbying and I would never have thought that I had to do all this when really all I did was create an invention right I, I mean that's it's put it's putting a lot on somebody to have to now be that right you know and um it's just it's just wrong it is wrong and again going back to why am i doing this i i'll do it because i'll do it and i'll learn it and it'll take me some time to learn it but there's a lot of other inventors and business owners out there who don't have the time and 
Which is why the people who are paying attention to this, the activists of Tea Party Patriots Action, but not just Tea Party Patriots. I hope that, that this podcast and the, the film film that we created most recently and the other one as well reach a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I hope that people realize it isn't about Republican or Democrat or conservative versus liberal. It, we're, we're fighting for just the average American who came up with a good idea. Right. And... Um, you, you're the, you're you're trying to live the American dream. I and am <laughs> turned into the American nightmare for yeah, you. Yeah. Um, and that might segue into how people can help. And right. The way they can help is through going through Congress. Right. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, you said this isn't about being Republican or Democrat, but when I go and we go to lobby, it is internally. Yeah. And it that's is. unfortunate. I don't it even is. know. That's a whole another topic, perhaps. But here we are, you know, going door to door to, you know, different congressmen and, and senators and women. And um, I don't know if I sh- can say this, but all the Republicans are listening. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I should say this either, but I'm going to. But I've I've been voting Democratic for the last X amount of years. And why aren't the people who I've been voting for listening to me? And then on top of it, they're saying, well, we're not going to support these bills for change because the Republican Party's on here. It's just, it's Well, guess crazy. who just lost my vote? Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and it's not just for that reason. I mean, there's actually other things in life going on, but I'm thinking, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why is this not a bipartisan issue? Well, I will see this. In, in Innovation Race, we have Senator Chris Coons. He he sat for an interview. He is in in it, and he's a Democrat senator who is, who is on the right side on this issue. I mean, you and he and Thomas Massey may not agree on every single thing to do to cr- to get the system righted, mm-hmm. but they're on the right side well, of the issue. They agree there's a problem. They agree there's a problem, yeah. and they're trying to fix it. And and but- for me. In this sharply divided world that we live in politically, it's good to see that there, there's at least one on this issue who's willing to, to work on it. And what we really need to be doing is trying to get every member of Congress to sign on to the bills that that Coons and Massey are, mm-hmm. are pushing, and I, and and others who may be pushing them. And mm-hmm. right now, we're in, as we're filming this, we're in the middle of an an election year and Mm -hmm. this podcast may still be relevant when we get to the next election Mm -hmm. year so it may be new bills it may be new pieces of legislation i don't have any reason to believe that it's going to get fixed in this particular congress this session of congress but we need to be calling our members of congress telling them to sign on to the bills fighting for the inventor it's not just because it's a right thing to do for you mm-hmm. it is yeah. the right thing to do it's a constitutional thing to do but it's also very important for our entire country yeah. watch the films talk to your members of congress and then if they're not sure if they agree or not ask the legislative aides to watch the film as well mm-hmm. and and have them watch it and and after they've watched it follow up and talk to you mm-hmm. and then you're working with josh in us inventor yes their website i think is usinventor.org i believe so yes so if it if there's an inventor who's who's paying attention to this podcast that's how they can connect with you and josh and and other yes inventors. and i strongly advise that they do so that they're going to find some sense of belonging and you know just they're not alone Right. You know, and it's important to rally together. You're protecting your rights and it's important. You're protecting your patent 
and your mm-hmm. property, but you're also protecting your rights. So thank you very much for having the courage to do that. And I'm glad that we have someone who is used to fighting and used to challenges <laughs> and used to competition. Yeah. You're not going to back down. Yeah, so thank I'm not going to back down. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we've already mentioned for the um, viewers and the listeners of the podcast, for more information about how to help inventors, go to usinventor.org, usinventor.org. And then for more information about the film, go to innovationracemovie.com, innovationracemovie.com. And Molly, you've been referred to as a queen of rope. (laughs) <laughs> Molly Metz, Queen of Rope. Where can people find more information about your jump rope? And if they want to buy it, where can they even go to get it? Yeah, um, they just go to my company website, which is jumpinrope.com. Um, it's jump with an N, R-O-P-E.com. Okay, yeah. very good. So jumpinrope.com. And we'll make sure we include all the links in the description. That was Molly Metz, the Queen of the Rope. After our podcast recording on August 4th, 2022, Molly learned her patents were invalidated by PTAB. Nevertheless, Molly continues to fight for her own patents and for the entire patent system for other inventors and for all Americans. The Innovation Race podcast is hosted by Jenny Beth Martin and produced by Kevin Mooneyhan, Lori Heiselman, and Andy Peterson. Luke Livingston directs the video podcast. Innovation Race Podcast is a production of Tea Party Patriots Action. For more information, visit teapartypatriots.org. That's teapartypatriots.org.